Dr. Alvi Anand Kiran is a marketing theorist and a writer. He has been featured among 30 marketers from around the world. Anand Kiran was educated at Bombay Scottish School, St. Javier College, and Government Loyal College, Mumbai. He stood first in the division of the University of Cambridge ISC examination. He outranked IITIM, IITIM, and GS uh, Medical College students at law. He stopped moot courts in the city, the status as well as in the country. His PhD thesis was recommended by two deans of IIM Ahmedabad. He trained in advertising in New York and founded Emphasis. The company has conceived and ex executed advertising work for multinational majors such as Procter & Gamble, uh, Unilever, and Nestle, and for products such as Lay's, Ariel, and Coca-Cola. He has conceived and developed the twin marketing management concept of Reality Plus, Neo People, and the other allied concept. His recent concept, Conflict as a Marketing Tool. CMIT was published by Knowledge, Wartron, and republished by the Wharton Center for Leadership and Change Management. Kurian's book, The Paddler of Soaps, was on the bestseller list for his next book, Professional from All Over the World, from Narayan Murthy, the founder of Infosys, to the co-founder of Kotler Marketing Management, are interpreting the management concept in their own area of specializing. So help me to welcome Dr. Albi Anand Kurian, a marketing theorist and a writer. Welcome to Exonte TV. Thank you for joining in today. Thanks for accepting my request. Thank you so much, Priya. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be here with you today. And I'm sure that we'll have a very, very interesting conversation. I'm sure. I have seen your work. I have seen your journey. So let's, uh, you know, I would like to drill in in that one a bit, uh, if it's okay. So yeah. would you like to tell something about yourself before we jump into the further details questions? Yeah. Well, I think I've had a very checkered uh, journey. And I think uh, all of that has come in, you know, uh, very, very useful at some point or the other. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, I trained as a lawyer and I, I trained, I mean, I was, I did pretty well in moot courts. I was first in the country in moot courts, etc. Uh, and then, of course, I came into advertising and we were making ad advertising films. And right. we making, yeah, and we were making advertising films for the largest multinationals in the world. And we're talking about uh, Coca-Cola and Lay's and uh, Procter and Gamble and uh, Unilever. So it's very interesting that in all these aspects of the journey, you learn something or the other. In yeah. the sense, uh, whether it's, uh, for instance, a lot of people ask me, what's the connection between law and advertising? And I think one of the interesting incidents that I remember is that uh, when I was representing Bombay University at the All India Moot Court Competition, and I remember, I think it was a surgeon's case that I was defending. Yeah. And all the while you're, you're talking from the point of view of the surgeon. That means you're saying, I did this operation or I did this surgery. So you're putting yourself in that surgeon's shoes. So when I was in advertising, I found, yes, you have to put yourself in the client's shoes. You have to think, what is it like for the client? You have to think, what is it like for the customer? Yeah. You have to learn to put yourself in their shoes, which is yeah. a very useful talent in uh, marketing, I think. 
Yeah. So I feel like it's more of a psychometric understanding the psychometricity of, um, and I always talk about this like intent based mark. If you are doing marketing, you ha- it has to be intent based. So like unless you know the consumer's intention, it is untargeted marketing for me. You know. So. Absolutely, absolutely. I would say I would say that uh, you know in many of I mean I. I uh, teach in a, uh, you know, I'm the head of the doctorate program in a management school. And, uh, uh, but I always say that apart from all the normal modules that we teach in a marketing school, I would say that uh, topics such as uh, psychology, you know, and I'm talking about pure psychology, not just consumer psychology. Yeah. Topics such as sociology, you know, which is about how people interact with each other. All this is really important, you know, it's very, very important. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, uh, having said that, among the ma- like whatever we do, like which of the element of your background that you think have contributed most to what you have become and what you have done today? Oh, I would definitely say the years that I spent uh, in ad filmmaking. Uh, we were doing, of course, uh, uh, marketing communication strategic consultancy, right. but uh, the, the the most uh, the most valuable years, I would say, were spent uh, making ad films. You know, in the time, because there you're really uh, you're really thinking from the point of view of the customer. You're putting yourself in his shoes. He is seeing this TV commercial. How do we engage him emotionally uh, with the product? For sure. And I think uh, the biggest uh, learning I think was that uh, marketing is really about emotions. You know. I mean, as I said, even in the marketing school where I teach, we are mostly teaching uh, left brain logical stuff. But actually, I would really say that uh, marketing is really about right brain, emotional uh, material for the heart. How Because people are not really making marketing decisions, whether they're buying a small little uh, whether they're buying, uh, not a, handbags are not small anymore. You have very expensive <laughs> handbags. <laughs> but whether you're buying a handbag or whether you're buying a, a car, there are a lot of emotions involved. And yeah. you know, marketing people, all of us, I think we have to learn to understand those emotions and those emotional triggers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. much, much better than we are doing now. Yeah, I, I always ask this question to my consumers. Are you in a need business or in you uh, want business? Absolutely. And the moment something involves with the want, you cannot ignore the importance of emotions and EQ level, you know. And that's why it is very important for people to understand the personality type whom they are targeting. So like if your businesses are actually targeted to very director oriented people, like people are very to the point, then you should know that what five bullet points you are bringing to them to value add them. Absolutely. Isn't it? So that's, that's a very interesting point. So among the marketing concept that you have, uh, you know, conceived and developed, which is the one that you think you would rate as the most important? Well, I would say that, uh, I mean, there are quite a few, but uh, I think the the two that are, I think, the most relevant today would be uh, something, one was something that I called Reality Plus. Reality Plus is actually, you're seeing it uh, all around you today. Yeah. Uh, 
I think the example that I gave when I first talked about it at some conference and I wrote about it, I think it, it I think the first uh, appeared in the business standard, I think. Uh, I think the example that I gave was, uh, we had worked on L'Oreal. Right. L'Oreal is a hair dye. And I, at that time I was very, very young. And uh, I was sitting with the marketing director and we were all sitting in the boardroom and uh, we were talking about making the commercial for L'Oreal. And I said, you know, I kept using the word hair dye. And finally he corrected me and he said, you know, we don't make a hair dye, we make a hair color. And I was very young at that point and I was arguing with him and I was saying, you know, what's the big difference? By then he was uh, <laughs> quite upset and he said, the big difference is that just by changing one word from hair dye to hair color, our sales have gone up by millions of dollars. Our revenue has gone up by, you know, some incredible figures. So that's when you realize that people, what works in the world today is not reality. The reality of the product had not changed. The chemical ingredients of the product had not changed. Yeah. But just by calling it hair color rather than hair dye. Yeah. Such a huge difference in uh, in in uh, profits, and today, of course, you're seeing uh, the uh, application of Reality Plus to nearly every aspect, every yeah. aspect of uh, marketing. Yeah, for sure. Some of the advertisement, like, is so powerful emotionally. It's just it stucks in your head. Like, you can is still some of the my childhood ad, I could not forget. You know, yes. some of them are so powerful. It has um, a small ad can actually create a lot of emotion and memory to you. You know, I, I believe in, in like bringing all that uh, that shit in that just one word can make a lot of difference. So do you think that marketing has a role to play outside the normal category of product and services? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, marketing plays a very, very important part in nearly every aspect of our lives. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember. I remember that uh, saying that. Uh, I know it sounds very uh, blasphemous, and I, I don't mean any disrespect at all. As a matter of fact, I think he's he's probably the greatest person in our generation. But I said that India's best advertising man was Mahatma Gandhi, <laughs> and <laughs> so how how does it work in the freedom struggle? But so marketing. I'm not saying that. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi thought of it consciously, but he, he was using it subconsciously. Yeah. The Quit India was a very powerful slogan. Yeah. Quit India is just two words. Yeah. But it has, uh, it's so memorable. And of course, it's uh, extremely, it's, uh, it evokes a lot of emotion as well. And then if you see in terms of uh, a logo or uh, something for people to remember, yeah. I think the, if Gandhi had dressed in a coat and tie, I don't think people would have quite remembered him as uh, much as they do. Yeah. Immediately when you close your eyes, you think of Gandhi and you think of that, uh, what uh, I think Winston Churchill called the half-naked fakir, right? Yeah. That, but that's a, such a memorable, uh, iconic look. So obviously Gandhi didn't do it so that he would be memorable and he was not using it as no, a for sure. Yeah. But but it worked like that. Yeah. And I would say things like Quit India, etc. were wonderful slogans. Yes, yes. Similarly, of course, today in politics, I mean, actually, I would say that uh, today is the best marketing people are not working in 
selling uh, detergents or colas. The best marketing people are really working in uh, politics. Yeah. And uh, I'm putting the ethics of it aside. I'm not going into the ethical side of it. I'm yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that you're seeing, uh, you know, wonderful applications of marketing theories, principles, concepts in uh, politics. Yeah. And it's uh, something that uh, one has to admire and you have to learn from them. Yeah. They're doing, yeah. So they're doing a wonderful job. The ethical side of it is not uh, what I'm discussing. I'm saying the mechanics of marketing politicians is has become... Yeah. Very, uh, very, very good. Yeah, some of the campaigns are actually coming up tremendously good, uh, for sure. I mean, if you will ignore other part of it, then it's it's a different story to discuss about. But yeah, even like if you if you, as you mentioned, in India that you know currently Modi one word become like kind of a campaign itself, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So like it's it's such a powerful and it's not about one word. It's about the personality you project behind that. Absolutely. It's almost uh, word perfect, picture perfect marketing, whether you see in uh, India, whether you see it in the USA. Uh, I think uh, Barack Obama was one of the first to really use uh, digital marketing perfectly. Yeah. And he used it very, very well. And uh, uh, Trump does it very differently, but he's using uh, very good marketing principles as well. Uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily Trump. It may be his team or it may be him alone and along with the team. But they're doing an incredibly good job. Yeah. And even in like when you look at the Trump's history, he already used a lot um, his PR technique and marketing technique. Um, He always creates some sensation, whether it is right or wrong, he creates that sensation. And... uh, I was talking to one of our editor, uh, you know, um, from the very, uh, very famous magazine. And the guy was suggesting these days people are less bothering about the information because it's in abundance now. Um, but people are more in, in looking into the session, sensational news and, you know, the information which provokes some kind of a emotion. So that's what they are playing, I believe. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think... Uh Uh, That's where I think, uh, see, as I said, I'm not going to the ethical side of politics. So if you see where Trump, uh, now whether people agree with Trump or whether people disagree with Trump, it is always Trump who is in the newspaper. It is always Trump who is in the magazine. It's always Trump who is in the television program. It's always Trump who is on the internet. So even people who disagree violently with him, but they are always putting him on uh, their... uh, uh, magazine or on their yeah. uh, or on their uh, internet or on their uh, uh, yeah. television channel so it is still trump who is selling uh, the channel or selling the uh, magazine or the newspaper mm. uh, as i said the content of his governance etc that is a totally different aspect i'm just talking about the in terms of marketing and how you project yourself. And I believe every person has like personality and your business reflects through your personality. So when it comes to the business, I believe you would agree on that, that when it comes to the business personality, it's kind of your reflection. So it's never a B2B, B2C concept. It's more of a human to human, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. I think... uh, uh, I think that's where, again, I think, uh, I mean, again, <laughs> it's always uh, Trump, rea- you know, Trump talks to pe- 
talk to talks to all of us, talks to the yeah. world, talks to Americans, like he's talking to a human being. Yeah, uh, you might have somebody who's a very intelligent person, somebody who's a very uh, competent person, somebody who's even a maybe a very ethical person, but he will uh, he may not be able to connect with other humans as a human being. He may yeah. not be able to connect at an emotional level. At he may not be able to interest you, entertain you. Yeah. Make you laugh, make you uh, feel joyous, make you involved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are uh, those are abilities that uh, nearly every politician from now on will have to have. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you will have to be a uh, a master yeah. of television. You know, you will have to be telegenic, and all those aspects have to be taken care of. Yeah, and that's why I see not many people are actually going to remember the Hillary Clinton slogan, but everybody remembers his slogan. Uh, he repeated it so many times. He marketed it so many times, and you know, uh, it's just in people's head, right? So it's absolutely. I think absolutely. It's a. Uh, I actually marketing has reached some kind of pinnacle right now. I would say that the kind of work that we are seeing on digital as well as, uh, you know, non-digital. Yeah. We're seeing the fusion of uh, old-fashioned, you know, ideas that we always knew about yeah. branding, about marketing. Yeah. And we're combining it with, uh, you know, the latest technologies, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, like, in, in that sense, like, among the general management concept that you have developed, which is the most uh, topical one given the pandemic that you are living in today like i think uh, yeah something that's not connected to the pandemic but it's connected uh, that's not connected to marketing so directly but yeah. it's pretty much connected to the world as we're living today is something that we call laggard's lock laggard's lock is a concept that i discussed with a lot of people who are in the technology industry like mr narayan murthy etc there's a wonderful interview I did with him. So we conceived, I mean, it were the laggard's lock is a concept that I conceived with my classmate, Nitin Borwanka. What is the laggard's lock? The laggard's lock happens when we buy a new technology. Yeah. We use a, the new technology, but we use it in the old way because our mind is still stuck in the old way. And therefore, we are not getting the full benefit of that technology. Right. I'll give you a very interesting story, which uh, which explains Laggard's Lock very well. Uh, we had an uncle of mine, uh, we, uh, and we used to call him Remote Uncle. Okay. Everybody would ask, uh, why do you call him Remote Uncle? What happened was, uh, Remote Uncle was born at a time when there were no television remotes. Right, okay. TV remotes. And then, uh, you know, uh, when... You know, I think by then he had hit around 70 and his children bought him a TV with a remote. Yeah. And then we all visited him a little later and then we found something interesting happening. We saw how he was using the TV remote. He would place the TV remote on the TV itself. Ah, okay. He would sit on the sofa and every time he had to change the channel, he would walk to the TV set, pick up the remote change the channel and put the remote back on the TV. Ah, ah, got and it. He would do that for anything. So he had bought a TV with a remote. He was using the remote, 
but he was using the remote in the old way. Yeah. And because he was using it, the remote in the old way, he was not getting the full benefit of it. For sure. That's uh, something that we can all understand. But uh, for instance, when uh, I and Narayan Murthy found this very funny and he was laughing and he said, yes, yes, I can see the application of this in many, many of our clients. So yeah. He was saying that many of the banks, when they first introduced, uh, you know, uh, computers, et cetera, et cetera, they said, okay, computers means everything that we used to have in ledgers. Now we will put on the computer. And yeah. that's, that's, that's what digital banking means. It was only later that the banks realized that, oh, digital banking can mean so many things. You can withdraw money on the internet. Yeah. That takes some time for us to fully understand. Yeah. Got so, it. Yeah. yeah. I understand that because been there in that space. So like I can correlate. It's, it's very interesting to see, you know, how people is still in, even in marketing, there are a lot of people I'm working and they come to me on the digital media side and they said, Oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing this way. I'm doing that way. And I just keep listening to them. And I, and then they say, but Priya it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm like, you know, it's, isn't it the same six degree separation? I'm like, it is, but it is not right. Absolutely. Absolutely. In marketing, I think, uh, you know, because many of us grew up in the pre-digital era. Uh, many of the great uh, creative directors in advertising grew up and worked. You know, they would make great TV commercials. And, yeah. Uh, so when they came into the digital, their idea was, okay, you take the TV commercial, 30 seconds or 60 seconds, and put it on uh, the internet. And that's the end of their... Uh, they were great uh, director, create, great creative yeah. directors. But their understanding of the new medium was, of course, limited. Yeah, but now if you are actually targeting digital one, five seconds, people will skip, right? So your core message should be within five seconds. Five seconds, exactly. And if it is a, if it is a six degree separation, it's actually turning into the three degree separation. Who, who cares about what happens at the fourth degree five? The philosophy was the same when the social media came, I believe. Right, but yeah. the implementation was on the, that philosophy, but then it grew so much more than that. I believe, you know, Absolutely. that's that's where Absolutely. we are. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, there are so many, you know, doomsayers in the world today. Do you share that uh, pessimism? Uh, that's a very interesting thought because uh, it's definitely true. And of course, uh, living through the pandemic as we are doing now, living through lockdowns in every part of the world, living through cycles and news, fresh cycles of, uh, you know, the pandemic, it can be a very, very difficult time for the whole world. But one of the things that we should realize is that is that we are living in a world that has that is better than ever, ever before. So you have a wonderful uh, book by a professor from Harvard, uh, Professor Pinker, who said, and he was not doing it at an emotional level at all. He was looking at it very rationally. He said, look at every aspect. First, he looked, of course, at, uh, at the economies. And he said, obviously, uh, our uh, uh, GDP and our per capita incomes are higher than ever before. And it's not just about the rich countries, even yeah. the 
developing economies, uh, GDP and per capita income has gone up. Yeah. And even poor countries, even the poor countries, their uh, per capita incomes have gone up. So uh, just income. Then you look at, say, something like violence. How many people are dying from wars? How many people are dying from crime? So he looked at the actual figures and he said, you know, in the olden days, so many people were dying. And today, because of wars, how many people are dying? Yeah. Because of crime, how many people are dying? Yeah. So the numbers have all are all so positive. The numbers are all so positive. The number of then he was looking at other crimes, crimes against women, crimes against children. Even yeah. he was looking even at crimes against animals, animal cruelty, etc. And in everything, the world is a better place today than it ever was before. Totally agree. Now, why is it then that if you ask, especially if you ask young people, they say, you know, we're living in a terrible world. A lot of people say, you know, things seem so terrible. I think partly it's because uh, good news is not news. So if a, uh, if a newscaster on television tells you today uh, one million planes took off and none of them had a crash, everything was normal. Yeah. One million flights took off, one million planes landed, everybody was safe. Then you, you'll say, but, but that's not news. Why are you telling me this? But if one plane crashes, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's not a tragedy, but if 20 people pass away, then that's in 20 seconds, the whole world gets to know. Yeah. Everybody's discussing it. And it sounds, and I'm not saying that it's not terrible, but I'm just saying that we are not seeing it in context. Millions of planes are taking off every day. Millions of uh, passengers are landing safely, but one plane crash within 20 seconds is news. Yeah. And similarly, uh, even in a, you know, I'm in Singapore and uh, Singapore has very, very low crime rates. Yeah. But even if there's one small crime somewhere, it's headline news. Yeah. Even if a train is late one day, because Singapore is such a perfect city, even if a train is late, it's headline news and everybody starts saying, oh, you know, things are very terrible. <laughs> but actually trains are going on time nearly every day. Yeah. I mean, one day it's late and it's headline news and everybody says, oh, Singapore. So yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of time government get criticized for very small, small things, whereas in the it's a common practice in the developing country. There are a lot of things are actually very different. And in developing com countries, there are a lot of crimes un unnoticed and un unheard, you yes. know. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, people are get, getting into, I, I'm saying it's it's not right or wrong about, it's just uh, saying this is the scenario. Uh, yeah, we are living into it. So... It was really interesting to discuss with you. Uh, do you think that, you know, the way people are actually getting into that social media and consciousness of like being always seen as perfect, it's actually costing somehow emotionally to the people? Definitely, definitely where social media is concerned. See, social media is a very exciting place from a technology point of view, from a marketing point of view, from a professional point of view, from a... Uh, say a parental point of view or from uh, if you're looking at it from a teenager's point of view yes of course social media is a very tricky tricky area to be traversed especially I, I would say it's a little tough on teenagers because suddenly you're exposed to perfect images you know 
everybody has to have look perfect, dress perfect. Yeah. It's uh, placing a lot of uh, uh, pressure on young people, especially, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think even to some extent, uh, I mean, I'm a parent as well, but and, and my children are uh, not. Uh, uh, teenagers anymore, so I can't really control their social media habits. But yeah. I think some kind of parental control over social media for teenagers. I know it sounds anomalous that I should say that because we are all marketing people. And but from the point, I mean, that's separate. Uh, that yeah. I see it as a wonderful technological development yeah. is a different thing. Yeah. But, uh, when it comes to young people, yes, I think they, we need some safeguards. Uh, for the future generation. Yeah. That's, that's so, what yeah, the Young people. I think, uh, you know, uh, above 21, I think we can take care of ourselves and we should yeah. learn to take care of ourselves and learn, okay, not to take social media too seriously, etc. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. some kind of uh, regulations when it comes to teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. probably. Yeah. I think there are a lot of things going unprecedented, which is yeah. not right. You know, I believe. So, you know, my last question to that, like, how do you see your, like, the future of marketing? Where do you see where we are heading? Oh, it's a, it, a from a pure professional point of view, from a technology point of view, from uh, all those aspects, I think uh, marketing is at a very, very uh, uh, wonderful. We are uh, going through a period when we are seeing uh, all our old ideas about uh, all the seminal foundational ideas about uh, human beings and how they interact and why they buy products. We are seeing all that in action, but we are seeing it in action in a digital sphere. Yeah. And that, that's a very exciting and there are lots of learnings and uh, lots of wonderful things that will happen. And of course, we've talked about some of the, uh, some of the uh, negative aspects as well, but there are many, many wonderful aspects. You can sell your products all over the world. You can be a small player and you can still uh, do well. Yes. These are wonderful aspects about uh, marketing that are emerging today. So um, having said that, the $1,000 laptop can bring you a million dollar business. Absolutely. <laughs> Interesting. Thank you for uh, joining in. It was nice chatting with you and I'm sure there are a lot of things they will achieve the audience and all your details will be given below the comment. Um, you want to suggest something to the future marketers? Uh, thank you so much, Priya. It was really wonderful talking to you and it was really, I think I enjoyed it and I'm sure that we've uh, covered some interesting areas. Uh, for future marketers, uh, you know, work hard, uh, study hard. And, but I would say, uh, uh, you know, it's not just the changes that have happened now which are uh, uh, very exciting. There are going to be many more exciting changes yeah. and uh, those will be wonderful opportunities so you should grasp it. But of course, you should stay in touch with and in tune with all the changes that happen. You can't say, no, no, I'll still work in the old way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for joining in and uh, we will touch base with you soon. Again, maybe my audience would like to hear again from more future uh, AI-based marketing, maybe. <laughs> That's where our future is heading up. Thank you Thank so you. much.